morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are around the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Michael Zolivari, and joining me today is Chris Riddell. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Michael. Good to be back for Season 6. Season and, uh, 6. My first episode for the year. Yes, Woo. yes it is. And if I recall correctly, you were also on the second episode back in Season 1, so this is a, a great little, uh, nice little parallel for that. Nice full circle. <laughs> yeah, nice full circle moment. Yeah, of course. Season back in season one, our second episode was about the Bathurst Twelve Hour, which should be happening, should be coming to an end right about now, or ended like an hour or two ago. But this crazy world we live in means that we don't have it. But instead, we get two weekends back to back of the Asian Le Mans series for 2021. That's what we're here to talk about tonight. Uh, before we go any further, let's just thank our amazing sponsor, The Racing Line. And if you get confused about time zones, like we're going to be, because who knows what the golf time zone is, uh, jump on that app and it will sort it all out for you and give you a notification for just before the race starts. Kiwi, Asian Le Mans series 2021. Why do we care about the Asian Le Mans series now? Well, the Asian Le Mans series is really undergone a resurgence in the last four years, really. Um, good count this year in the 30s, an absolutely mental GT3 field, and a P2 and P3 classes that are going to be red hot. With with the pandemic this year, all condensed into two weeks of frenetic action, and at the end of it, automatic one entries. Yeah, it's a bit it's, it's a bit of a crazy condensed schedule. Like as you mentioned, yeah. two weekends back to back. And yeah, in, importantly GT3 as opposed to GTE, so the only ACO series or well, besides Michelin Le Mans Cup, which I guess kind of counts, uh that runs GT3 machinery. But yeah, the GT3 class on its own is what 18 cars or something mental. That, yeah, absolutely. That's a race in its own. Yeah, that's that's that that's a world challenge grid from 4 years ago as well. Mm. Yeah, but so, the work that the ACO have done to get this grid up to where it is, the coverage has now got a hell of a lot better with Graham Goodwin involved. The car counts are arriving. I mean, even if it wasn't as condensed a format as it was, we still get a thirty-car grid minimum. Absolutely, and this is following on from like last year as well when we started to see a real push to the Asian Le Mans series. And it, what you're saying is absolutely correct about the, the media involvement and the, the team, the organization team from both the media side and through the administration side. What, what, what is his role, Cyril Teichvallen? Uh He's the, he's the, like the managing director of the Asian Le Mans series. Is that it? Yeah. I think managing director, LMEM, Asian. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and, and the work that he's done, particularly to get the Asian Le Mans series off the ground and in the eyes and ears of the sports car world, has been very, very well done. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on, uh, specifically with relation to how the schedule has worked out. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a really, really cool series. It's, it's kind of weighted the other way. Like, you know how the European Le Mans series and to an extent the WEC is like heavy, heavy prototype focus and then there's a little bit of GT. This is like the other way, which is, I, I think, a really, really cool sort of point of difference. Yeah, it's a great uniqueness. And the GT scene in Asia has really grown exponentially, not just in the ACO product, but Blanc Pain Asia, or not Blanc Pain anymore, but SRO Asia. Yeah, so that's that's another another thing to look at. Of course, that's had a little bit of an interruption this year as well, but we should see some racing there pretty soon. Now, let's talk about this season. So we have, as we mentioned, two race weekends back-to-back. 
are each having two four-hour races. So we've got two in Dubai and two at Abu Dhabi. That's going to be tight turnarounds for teams in terms of uh, servicing the cars and replacing things if if things go wrong. Uh, what do we think about the season schedule as it stands at the moment? It's the it's honestly the best they could have done given everything. I'm actually really excited by it. Um, okay. Yes, yes, it's going to be an absolute challenge for teams because if you have a big incident at Dubai too, for example, you're done. Mm, you're not going to get you're not going to get a spare chassis unless you find somewhere in the Arabian desert where there's ones just sitting in a ga- in a barn find or something. <laughs> oh, let me just pop down to the local hotel. There might be someone a, a rich billionaire with with a spare Orica chassis just lying about. Yeah, you never, you never know. But um, <laughs> those tight turnarounds. The talent that we've got in the cars, the frenetic action we're going to see, it's 16 hours of racing. Dubai, I think, is going to be really, really good for this sort of multi-class action. I'm looking forward to because we see it for the 24, obviously. Yeah. And I think it, and I think just that little bit more pace as well from the P2s, so it's going to be a great weekend there. Abu Dhabi, I'm not so sure about. I can see traffic being a massive issue, particularly in the last sector. Yeah. But that's the other element of endurance racing we love about traffic management. Yeah, absolutely. There's definite pros and cons here, and I think it's going to be a great 16 hours of racing. Yeah, it's interesting that these are the two tracks that are brand new to ACO racing. I don't think I've ever heard of an ACO race on either Dubai or Abu Dhabi, despite their... Numerous uses in other forms of motorsport. We've already mentioned the Creventic, the Dubai 24 Hours, and Abu Dhabi, of course, has been used as a test facility for sports cars, but is predominantly known for its Formula One season-ending accolades. Uh, I I think the point you make about the traffic management at Abu Dhabi, particularly, is going to be very interesting because it is really a, a circuit of two halves in that regard. You have like the first half of the lap, which is sweeping corners and long straights, so it's Pretty easy, I would say, for the prototypes to get around. But yeah, that second, uh, that last sector, sorry, uh, coming through the final, uh, like the the sequence of ninety degree turns, that's going to be a real challenge. Mm. And considering that the P threes and GT threes won't be too far apart in pace, if a P two catches a traffic jam at the wrong moment, that's going to cost them buckets of time. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, we could see something akin to last year's race at the Bend where we had, what was it, uh, Roman Rusinov and Nick Cassidy trading blows for a good 20-30 minutes in, in and out of traffic. Hey, if we get that, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> absolutely. What are your thoughts on the uh, Dubai as a track for for this style of racing? We've seen prototypes at Dubai before. Uh, they they run a P3 race there as part of the Creventic week. But uh, with with a, a larger GT field and the the quicker P2 cars, how do you reckon that's going to hold up across the, the two races? I mean, we haven't seen the prototype racing there for a little while mm. because of, well, when they did have it, it was, what, seven cars. Yeah, that's true. But um, plenty of long straights and... I think it. I think it'll work well. It's nice and wide. It's there's, there's plenty of there's plenty of slower corners, but they're not like complexes. So you, you know, you, you don't have a slow corner leading to a slow corner like you do at Abu Dhabi. I think that's going to suit these cars better. Yeah, and even the slow corners are, are pretty open. Mm. I think like the first the first sector particularly is probably going to be the most difficult for the P twos, but it's it's mm. pretty pretty open in its sort of. Uh, sl- 
yeah, cornering, even though it is mm. quite slow. And the other thing at Dubai is is acres are run off around the circuit. So if you do make a mistake or, you know, you do need to get around traffic, you've got a little bit more wiggle room to get out of a, get out of a potential mess up. Where at Abu Dhabi, particularly, particularly in the second half of the lap, you don't necessarily have that as yeah, much. Yeah, that's, that's true. And as, especially considering like the... I think the the one that I would have concerns about particularly is that like triple apex right-hander where it's like you're turning and braking and turning and braking. Like in a prototype mm. versus a GT car, the the way you get around that corner is going to be so different. So expect to see a little bit of carnage there. Yeah, yeah. A little bit a little bit like you see at Porsche Curves. So it's, yeah. You know, without, the, without the blindness and the massive speeds, but... Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Uh, another important factor for this pair of weekends is that there are going to be uh, two different types, uh, two different configurations used at Yas Marina. Now that was what was said. Oh. That was what was said initially when the calendar got first released. I've not yet seen an update on that, so I will be interested to see whether or not they do it. If they do do it. What do you reckon the tracks are going to look like? So of course, at Abu, uh, at, at Abu Dhabi, you've got. Uh, the kind of cutaway that cuts most of the first sector off and then just takes you back onto the straight. You've also got the cutaway from the kind of break in the two straights that takes you back onto the main straight. And then you've also got the entire second pit complex on the second of the long straight. So it, given the choice, Kiwi, uh, which would you choose? Which configuration would you choose if you were going to run two different uh, configurations of the Ass Marina circuit? Honestly, full circuit again. Full circuit again? No, you don't think yep. there's uh, a need? None a need of for those a short circuits. None of those short circuits are going to suit multi-class racing. The only one that stands as hope in hell would be the one that you know cuts out the whole second and third sector. And then you got too short a lap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you, the other layouts are the corkscrew, which you can't do multi-class. So <laughs> don't be mad. That'd be ridiculous. Or the track that's just the second and third sector, and there's it. As funny as that would be to watch, that is, would not be a good race. It would be it'd be very what, Mickey Mouse as they call it? Yeah, th- almost, something like that. Almost be like the WC race at Mexico. Remember when they did that and it was like a friggin' uh, frantic mess for four uh, six hours straight? Yeah, but there were there were twenty million Mexicans in the stands cheering them on. That made it funner. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Of course, we're still going to be running without fans, unfortunately. So hopefully, uh, we get some good races uh, to really bring the online product to the fore. Uh, I know the people have been working very hard behind the scenes to make the online product very, very good. Uh, and a, one final thing about the schedule that we there's always plenty to talk about: uh, racing into darkness. That's going to be very, very cool. Yes. We've already. We've already seen it at Bahrain in the WEC, that sort of transition into night and how cool that is. Uh, we're going to see that those will be the first races of the weekend, I believe. So it will be the Saturday race and then the Sunday race will be predominantly in the light. So what re- lessons do you reckon you can learn from the the transitional races to help you in the, the all-day races the next day? Mm, not a lot. Well, I wouldn't say not a lot because you're obviously learning which way the track bends. <laughs> But things like your tires and that, even in a, such a hot climate that they're in, driving at night's different to driving at at the day, and the baking sun, the UV on the on the ground. So I don't think you can learn too much about your tires and that and that. But things like you know geometry setup and downforce, things like that, you can certainly play with. Yeah, and you'll learn a lot from the first race of the weekend. 
and certainly messing about with the car in race conditions uh, mm. for those drivers who are brand new to the circuits, which a, a lot of them will be, uh, especially uh, those who are more European-based or even those who are Asian-based. The Middle East is kind of in the middle of, well, both of in that respect. So a lot of drivers yeah. might not have had the opportunity to race here before. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, okay, you can race a GT3 at Dubai readily enough in a 24-hour race, but you can't really do that at Yas Marina either, can you? Well, they did have the Gulf 12 hours. That That's normally at Yas Marina. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. a GT3 race. Uh, but that okay. was... Was that at Bahrain this year? If Chris was here, if Chris uh, Chris Washer was here, he'd have he'd be all over this and he'd know everything. Um, unfortunately, he's not been able to join us today, so uh, I I don't think it's as accessible. But I think you can still get your GT3 car in entered in an event around the Yas Marina circuit. But especially for these prototype drivers at Yas Marina, particularly, they're going to come in pretty blind. Yeah, and I'm going to assume that there's not a lot of testing time. I haven't checked the actual. Um, schedule breakdown yet yeah Schedules, uh, so, so i think it's two free practice sessions i'll just have a quick look myself because i was looking at this yesterday uh two free practice sessions then qualifying then race one then race two uh so it's pretty condensed Wait. in how it works out uh but i'm not sure if they have a provisional test prior to that as well like for example they did at the bend last year did you just say there was not a second qualifying session uh no I don't think so because if Ooh. I look at the I look at the uh the weekend setup it is free practice 1 free practice 2 qualifying for GT and uh LMP2s and then race 1 and then race 2 so no second qualifying session at least for Dubai. Wow, that's another spanner in the works. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that's meant to work out. I'm not sure if they're carrying on the same uh, like the finishing order is the qualifying positions for the next race. Uh, but in any case, that'll certainly be uh, something to to talk about uh, as the weekend progresses. It will be very interesting. Absolutely. Shall we get on to it? Uh, I can't wait. There is, something, there is one thing I want to discuss before we get into the teams and the driver breakdown of all 36 okay. cars that are racing the Age of the One Series. Uh, now, during the, the uncertainty that was last year, we saw a lot of series really come up with kind of nothing when asked about what was going to happen for their series. Now, the Asian Le Mans series did have the luxury of being in an off-season. They, I think they finished their final race of the season the last weekend of February. So they, had, uh, they were luckily ahead of the curve in that respect. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the Asian Le Mans series' response to the, the pandemic situation. Because honestly, I think that what they've done should be a uh, a sort of benchmark for what we should expect from other series around the world because they actually communicated with us. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my sports administrator hat on here. Hang on one sec. There it is. <clears throat> um, the sound effect was unnecessary. How, how the, was um, running, how was running around in the rain today? Uh, administrating sports, Kiwi. Yeah, it was um wet. <laughs> Classic <laughs> yes. Melbourne um, weather. It's yes, meant to indeed. be summer here, right? It's meant to be summer. It's like friggin' 24 degrees and occasionally raining. Nine, I hate it. It was 19. It's ridiculous. Oh, my um, God. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I look at how Asian Amon series have done what they've done in terms of communicating, keeping people updated, having plans A, B, C, and probably D, E, F, G, H that we didn't see. 
and they've just been open and honest with what the plans are, what they're going, you know, what they think can happen. And you're right. It is absolutely the gold standard of what clubs and teams and organizations should be doing under the pandemic. Mm. It's what I did in my sport. And it's made, it's made resuming a lot easier as well, because I can just go, right. This is the date we can come back. This is the date we're going to start competition. Get your, get your stuff sorted now. Yeah. Exactly. And it's very much the same with it. And I think it's helped contribute to the 30 plus cars they've got. They've just been able to go, right, we go, we're doing this. We're doing this. We can't do this. We do this. Get your stuff sorted. Yeah. I think we had a Asian Le Mans series calendar for this season before we had a provisional European Le Mans series calendar for last season. Like that's how and, ahead of the curve they were. And that was initially thinking they're going to be four races at Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's true. And that's had to change last minute in in some respect that was only decided that they were swapping to uh dubai and yas marina as two separate events what was it in december or something mm. but but the, when most when most um organizations are off having the christmas christmas lunch yeah exactly so it was a, a really good that they kept updating not just the fans but more importantly the competitors as well like this uh, mm. putting in place this is what is going to happen and if there is any changes we will update you as soon as we can so that it enabled teams and drivers and media and everyone else to be able to put plans in place to be there and you know we there was even talk that at the very last minute some extra teams have been able to come in because of the the change in restrictions uh by moving one of those events to dubai instead of the as marina so it's, it's been an incredible job from Cyril tashvalen and the team to get everything together and to communicate it and most importantly just communication like oh it's been such a one-way relationship between aco and everyone else it's just we keep asking asking all these questions just tell us what we need to know <laughs> yes and the other thing it does as well it gives clarity to those who are traveling in yeah because you can they can plan around okay i can do my two weeks in a hotel room at at, at yas marina every dubby by the way not probably not a bad hotel to be in for two weeks mm, I, I mean yeah not a, not a bad hotel to retire to after the race either. No, very much no. Especially if you've got a trophy around your neck. Um, or or if you're out of the race in the first lap, which is like, oh, I'm going back to the room, just watch yeah, it from I'm, the top floor. Yeah. Is the tabs a good for the minibar? Sweet, thanks. I'll see you in four hours. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, exactly. Now, let's talk about these cars because there are so many cars. There is literally 36 cars. That's like rivaling a WEC field. And that's the biggest class, that, well, the biggest entry that we've seen for the Asian Le Mans series so far, we did make mention that it's predominantly GT3, which is pretty cool, I think. I, I like the fact that we have more lower class cars than the top class, because it just means that there's an extra sort of variance, an extra degree of difficulty compared to something like the European Le Mans series, which, while fantastic and is the absolute top class of ACO racing, I think, in terms of the competitiveness and the diversity through the field uh, for P2, uh, and in terms of like the driving talent, etc., etc., etc. The fact that they don't really have to navigate lower class cars too often uh, takes just a little bit of uh, complexity out of running a race, uh, I feel. Whereas in this, like, you've got eight uh, LMP2 cars, seven LMP2 cars for this championship, uh, and all of them are going to be ducking in and out of traffic the entire time. So let's 
crack into it. We do have seven LMP2 cars. Two entered in the LMP2 AM category, which for the first time is the current LMP2 regulation. So uh, in the past, they've been running to the older P2 spec, uh, but with now most of those cars either upgraded, retired, or burned to the ground, uh, we've upgraded <laughs> to the P217 regulations. Uh, we have uh, one Ligier and six Oricas. No, wait, four Oricas and two Auruses. Because if you get that wrong, you have a very angry Russian man coming for you. Uh, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a mixed field between the stalwarts we'd see in the European Le Mans series, one or two uh, new entries, uh, one specifically which I'm very excited about from Asia, and then uh, a few new entries uh, for their first time into P2. So let's crack straight into it we'll go uh we'll go through these one by one very briefly very quickly just to give you a bit of an idea so the first one i'm really excited about is phoenix racing uh stepping up from an audi p oh sorry audi gt program to lmp2 uh running the orica uh, matthias kaiser simon truller and nikki team so big uh big names in that card just to start with yeah nikki team is this this would be his first time in a proto i believe so correct yeah yeah, uh, we know what he can do in an S, and he's done it for years. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Simon Trummer, he's a known quantity. He'll do what he does. Yep. And Matthias Kaiser, this is, is it Slovenia or Slovakia? One of the it's one of the Slovaks. Uh, Liechtenstein is what he's listed on the. Uh... Yeah, right. Liechtenstein. I can't tell my math. I thought that was a white bit on top of the flag. Don't mind <laughs> me. Liechtenstein. So you know, money. Also, he's raced a lot in. In the Nürburgring Creventic race Le Mans Cup in not 2019 and race for Graf in 2020. Cool. So, so someone with a little bit of uh, a yeah. little bit of talent to fall back on. Uh, interesting to note that in this class, uh, you only need similar to LMP2 regulations in ELMS. You only need one silver or one amateur driver, but for a lot of cars, you have multiple bronze or AMS drivers uh, across, and I think that's a, a money, uh, particularly mm. uh, yeah, particularly a money saving thing. So. Uh, Phoenix Racing, though, this is their first step into P2s as well. They've been running uh, factory Audi GTs for a, a fair while. How much of this entry, alongside uh, the WRT entry in uh, in LMP2 for the European Le Mans series, is going to be gathering data for potential LM, well, for the announced LMDH effort from Audi in the future? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> is there a scoop you know? Oh well, no, no, no. This is this is just no. like you have all of a sudden two uh, Audi factory GT teams entering in P two. Just yes, just this. around the time that Audi have announced that they're entering in the WC in the LMDH class in a few years. Nah. I wonder what's happening. It means it means nothing. It means nothing. We know it means nothing. There's not going to be an Audi LMDH with Phoenix Racing. No, sure. no chance. <laughs> yeah, cool. No problems. Uh, yeah. No, it's absolutely just getting Phoenix Racing used to the prototypes classes before going ham. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty good. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty wise decision. Uh, we've also got uh, Euro International uh, jumping in a Leisure JSP2. Gibson, uh, with I, I believe this is Euro International teaming up with uh, Rick Ware Racing, who were... Prep, prep by Euro International anyway, because uh, they have um, Phil Mulichek, Neil Mustin, and John Corbett. Uh, I don't really mm-hmm. know too too much of their names, but it's 
a trio of bronzes. Yeah. Uh, John Corbett, of course, he's moving from Euro Interpol because the car he was in burnt down. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, Phil Milicic. Milicic. He's the Rick Weir racing guy. He, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Neil Mostyn, also an Australian bronze driver. Any thoughts on him? He's actually raced a lot. Has he? Oh, this... Yeah. He's He's raced in um he's raced in P three recently for Graf. He's raced for ARC Bratislava. He's raced in the Bathurst twelve hour in twenty seventeen. He's raced twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen as well. So he's actually got a lot of experience, although not the results that you would expect from a top driver. So that's why he's running a bron- uh, running as a bronze rating then. Yeah, he's probably also got a bit of coin behind him. Yeah, probably. Interesting to note that this is A, the only Ligier in the field and B, running in the uh, uh, LMP2 AM category. So that's why all all of these are all AMs. Uh, The other car running in the uh, AM category is the ERA Motorsport car, fresh off a win at the uh, the 24 Hours of Daytona, I might add, for Dwight Merriman, Kyle Tilly, and Andreas Lascaratos. I haven't seen Daytona yet. Spoiler. Oh, I'm not sorry. (laughs) No, I had to. I had to come across that, didn't I? Yeah, I just saw what happened at the start. What oh. on earth, GT field? Don't, don't remind me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Merriman, uh, Tilly, and Lascaratos. Tilly's the only silver driver in the LMP2 AM field. Lascaratos is a name that we've seen plenty of times before. He raced with ARC Bratislava last year in the uh, LMP2 AM car. Has raced. I think he's raced for uh, ARC Bratislava quite a while. He, he has, yes, yeah. and had some decent results as well. Yeah. Uh, and then Dwight Merriman, the slowest P2 driver of the field at Daytona, but the one who took home a Rolex. So good, well done, Dwight. <laughs> hey, it wins yeah. a win, right? Yeah, exactly and, right. And, and an M class of two, this is probably the car to beat. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, on the note of a win's a win, remember Ed Brown has both a Rolex 24 win and a Sebring 12-hour win off the back of doing one lap under caution in, in, in each race <laughs> and then giving it to Pipo Durrani. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyone can do it. This is true. This is true. Now now just become a rich 70-year-old and drive for a lap and hand it off to a pro. <laughs> it's the dream. It's yeah. the dream. Uh, two cars from G-Drive Racing in the LMP2 class, uh, both running the Auris 01. We've seen G-Drive plenty around the circuits of the ACO series. In the 25 car, it is John Falb, Franco Colapinto. I'm, I messed that one up. Let me have a go. go. Franco Colapinto and Rui Pinto de Andrada uh, for yep. the number 25. I think I got that one right. Yep. I'm guessing your next line is going to be who? Yeah, well, pretty much. Um... Okay. Well, you know who John Falb is. He's yes. raced a lot. Yeah. Ignore, ignore him. So Franco Colapinto. Colapinto is 17 years old. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> he came third in the Toyota Racing Series in 2020. Wait, that's and Toyota Racing Series. That's in New Zealand, isn't it? Yes, it is. What was he doing racing in New Zealand? It's where all young drivers go in the off-season. Oh, yeah, fair. And he won the F4 Spanish Championship. Rui Andrade, Andrade is Angolan, and he's 21. He also raced Toyota Racing Series and came 16th in 2020. There you go. Oh, 16th. That's a, a marginally less good than third or yeah. first or whatever it was. Yeah. So Franco Colapinto might have something about him. And at 17, if he's doing, you know, at 17, if you're coming third in TRS, you're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, bloody hell. Uh, 
John Faub, of course, is Algarve, uh, and that's who's mm-hmm. running this car in the Asian Le Mans Series for G-Drive. That was the deal that they put together last year. Uh, the other G-Drive car is uh, a, an interesting group of drivers, uh, not Roman Rusinov, who we've been expecting to uh, uh, you know, used to seeing. Uh, you have here Rene Binder and Ferdinand Habsburg, who are two pretty well-known quantities in the sports car field. And then, I'm going to mess this up royally, uh, Yifei Yi, who's a Chinese silver driver, who, again, is a, a bit of a who. Uh, have you got any informa- information on him? 20 years old. Yep. Uh, he's a, he's a, he was a former member of the Renault Sport Academy. And he won Euro Formula Open last year. Okay, cool. And was 2019 second place in the F3 Asian Winter Series. Cool. So, so someone with a bit of uh, a bit of speed behind him. That's, that's unsurprisingly two pretty competitive cars for G Drive. I'm surprised <laughs> at how unknown the the talent is, so to speak. I would have expected uh, a bit more known quantities in terms of the the younger drivers that they picked up. But that's still, if if you know, they're placing in TRG and winning Euro Formula Open. They that they must be pretty quick. Yeah, and I mean, this is the G Drive Drive development car, I think, (laughs) development series. Yeah, well, I mean, if they if they bed drivers in here and then somehow snag an automatic invite, that'll be an absolute. They'll be laughing at G Drive. Absolutely. Yeah, and well done for not trying for not pronouncing Fernand von Hasberg's real name or full name. (laughs) Oh no, are we are we about to butcher an Austrian's name? Um. A royal Austrian name, yes. Oh God. Okay, I'm gonna. We're just gonna leave that one alone because I'm zero confidence today. It's because... only it's only fourteen. It's only fourteen names long. Oh, please don't. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, now this is the car that has had a lot of interest around it. The number twenty eight Yoda Sport Yoda Sport car. Sorry, it's not. So this one, <laughs> we're we're very very loose today on a Sunday evening. Uh, so this one has uh, Sean Gallo, uh, which is a driver who has raced in the WEC before. If you remember the uh, the KFC car uh, back in the Fuji six hours in 2016, I'm pretty sure that was Sean Gallo behind the wheel. Uh, he's joined by a pair of platinum drivers, Tom Blomquist and Stoffel Van Dorn. That is a scary looking <laughs> car. This car is ridiculous. It's it's kind of like the uh, the Atlanta Braves taking on the under twelve Atlanta school team. I that this means I don't know why we have such a random reference, but there you go. You could have literally said this is like any team in Australia taking on the Melbourne Football Club. Yes, and I don't know why with the Atlanta Braves. I'm not even you're not even a Braves supporter. <laughs> I don't even know what baseball is. <laughs> Oh wow! Well done. Yeah, no, this this car is crazy. Like Blomquist, uh, BMW factory driver, Stoffel Van Dorn, Formula former Formula One driver, and Chogalau. Like I, I haven't seen too much of him in recent times, but he is a silver rated driver and AM driver, and I've seen him race in the WC before, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is the car to beat. I mean, Chogalau is not that good. He's not that good, but like. You have Stoffel Vando and Tom Blomquist in that car, yeah, though. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, this is true. This is your... Sean Gabbard's your, am, your amateur. He doesn't have a moment where he's leaping the car over curbs getting 12 feet in the air. Mm. Like he did at Monaco one year. Mm. This car is going to be very hard to top. Although, the next car we're going to talk about, I'm actually intrigued by. Yes, this is a very intriguing car. This is Racing Team India. So, their, their debut into ACO Formula. Uh, this has a, a trio of 
pretty well-known drivers in, in sports car world. You have Narain Karthikeyan as the big lead driver for that team. Um, Arjun Maney, who raced Asian Le Mans Series last year. I'm trying to remember which team he raced at, but he definitely raced at the Bend. I remember meeting him, so he was definitely there. Uh, do you have information yeah. on that just on hand? Uh, last year, he raced with uh, Aralar. Yes, in the Tower Sports car. He was very quick that weekend. That He was an absolute... Yeah, bullet. I seem to remember him on the timing sheets and everyone going, ooh. Yeah. Uh, and then Naveen Rao. Now, that he's someone I, I feel like I've encountered him before, but I can't exactly place where. So, have you got... Yeah. Yeah. He won the 2020 Prototype Challenge in IMSA. Yeah, there you go. So... I mean, it's prototype challenge, sure, but still, that's that's a, a pretty interesting trio of drivers, and their car looks awesome. Uh, if you haven't seen mm. the 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 car, it looks really really cool. I haven't actually seen it myself. Going to look, have a look now. Um, also, this team have come out and said we want to go to Le Mans. <laughs> that's pretty ballsy. So, if if it's what yeah. their their first proper proper go in an ACO series. Mm. So. I have a feeling that this would tick the diversity quota that the ACO love if it came to came to a receiving an invite, but I reckon they'd they'd love to win this and get the invite auto invite. Yeah, and and if we look at look at the LMP2 class as a whole, like who are going to be the ones to be? Who are the ones that are definitely going to be in the fight for this automatic invite for taking the championship? I mean, obviously you have to point to the the Jota car, the twenty eight, but if, mm. if you if you if they have an accident on the first race and write off a chassis, who is going to be the next the next one to to take the forward, do you reckon? Well, for me, it would be between the Racing Team India and the Phoenix Racing Machines. Yep. And I, I, st- I still think the, the Phoenix will be best of the rest, but no, I don't think with a hell of a lot of confidence. It will be pretty close. I'm... I'm surprised that you're not giving the 26 at least a look in. I mean, Ferdinand Hasberg and Rene Binder is a pretty, pretty good combination of drivers. I, I'm not sure on the 25, and with John Fowl behind the wheel, that's going to be uh, a, an uphill battle. Uh, but I'm surprised you're not giving the 26 at least a look in. But I, I, I'd probably say no, the number five as well. Yeah. Especially, cons- um, especially considering, sorry to jump in over the top of you, that uh, when Nikki team leaves after the Abu Dhabi, oh, sorry, the Dubai round, they're getting Kevin, Kelvin Vanderlinde in as a replacement, so. Oh, well, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that does change things up. I mean, you're basically trading off one of the best Platinums in the world for one of the best Platinums in the world. <laughs> hey. Uh, if I had that much platinum in my drawer, I'd be happy. You would be. You would be very happy, and so would I. So that's the LMP2 class. Uh, six, uh, seven cars strong. Remember, two of them running in an AM subclass. Uh, how do we rate the strength of this class versus the the strength of last year's LMP2 class, where we had uh, into Europol with two cars. We had uh, two cars from Euro International, which definitely wasn't confusing. Uh, and then uh, K2 Uchino Racing, which I think were the one of the big surprise stories of that. Uh, Sean Tong, I, I, it's a little frustrating that Sean Tong doesn't have a drive in this year because he was a, a, one of the shining lights of the Asian Le Mans series last year. Uh, Thunderhead, uh, Delara, uh, Thunderhead Carl and Delara last year as well. Uh, how, how do we you know, measure that uh, sort of difference in P2 categories between the two years? 
look, there's no denying last year was stronger, both in terms of the teams he had and the drivers he had. Um, you know, people like Shane Van Gisbergen coming in to drive for a race soon. Nick Cassidy. Nick Cassidy and, you know, there's really yeah. fast Kiwis. Nick Foster, and, Aiden Reed. Yep, and Aussies. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yes. So, yes, the quality is lower this year, but I, given what on earth is going on with this pandemic business, I don't think we can be too critical of that. It's really hard for teams from Europe to commit to an Asian, Milan, Asian campaign this year, even if it's only for two weekends, just because, especially like in Carlin's case, you know, they have open wheel racing to look after. They've got all sorts, all sorts of fingers and all sorts of pies. Money's tight after a year of absolute chaos last year. And Alex in chat is posting, he thinks it's stronger this year. <laughs> so, I, 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 I agree with you, Kiwi. I, I agree that uh, it is, I think it's more disappointing that there isn't more Asian-located teams in the P2 class particularly. So the only one that's really... I mean, you can argue whether or not Russia counts as Asian locale, but you know, the really racing team India is the only hard and fast, this is definitely an Asian-based team. You know, last year we had... Uh, well, we did have... We have Euro International, which is, I guess kind accounts but like particularly we had um you know k2 Uchino. There's one, that one well there's one big there's one big team missing eurasia yes that was that one as well that's who i was thinking that was who mm. i was trying to find in my head so yeah eurasia you know we'd normally be seeing two cars from them so it's a bit it is a little bit uh kind of frustrating on that respect um but i think I think last year's driving talent on the whole is better, but I think the big names this year, particularly Van Dorn, like last year, well, last year you had Roberto Mary as a former Formula One driver. So I don't really, no, I, I actually, yeah, I think it's still last year, but it's still, it, it's still not weak. It's just not as strong <laughs> no. as it was last year. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, LMP3 uh, has, oh, let me count them up. That's five, that's 10 cars, 10 cars in LMP3. It is. So uh, a big LMP3 field uh, in comparison, or well, a bigger LMP3 field, uh, field uh, featuring uh, all our favorites, you know, Nielsen Racing, RLRM Sport, United Auto Sports with three cars. Uh, we're not really going to go too deep into the drivers here, simply because I'm looking down that driver list, there's a bunch of names I don't know. Oops. Um, but there, there are a few important stories to pick out. Let's start with uh, one that will bring a certain part of our listener base some joy. The debut of the 2020 LMP3 Uh For the first time, it'll run uh, in ACO spec. I'm not sure if it actually managed to get out on track in the... Uh, Road to Le Mans series last year, but it's definitely going to be out here. ARC Bratislava are going to be running that car along with Mira Konopka, Tom Klert, and Charlie Robertson. Uh, Charlie Robertson, of course, driving the LMP1 car most recently. Uh, so it looks it, it looks a beaut. I got to say, it's a pretty looking car. But uh, after a year of no running compared to its competitors, how do we reckon it's going to stack up? Not well. Not well. No confidence. Look, I maybe I'm just burnt by the whole Geneta P1 debacle. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> but I'm just not entirely sold that they can come in late a year after everyone else. Having said that, theoretically, the car should be very similar. 
In theory, yeah. I, just, just really, the funniest part about the last 10 seconds is that when there was a pause between me asking you that question and you answering it, we had one person in the chat just immediately reply with oof. So, <laughs> Ollie, Ollie in the chat is very on the ball. Thank you very much, Ollie. Yeah. Um, so, we did very much like a wait and see approach on that one. Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, you're going to say ASC Bratislava, though, is going to be one of the better teams in LMP3, uh, you know, after running LMP2 cars in the past. Just just as a quick sidebar, though, how is this for a freaking name? This is the name of the, the actual entry, like the car the, the that they're running. It's the Janetta G61 LTP315 Evo. What the hell? What? <laughs> um, have they taken up to McLaren's naming conventions? Oh, possibly. I mean... four 412-C hashtag 42, whatever it was. Pound. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bit uh, a bit of a weird one there. Um, so, Mira Kanopka, bronze-rated driver. We sort of know what to expect from him. If you've ever watched... Uh, WC a few years ago, he was running a P2 car. Tom Clot, I have no idea about. Charlie Robertson, we we know about from the LMP1 project. So let's have a look at how that one goes. That's going to be dressed up in yellow with some colored stripes on the side. So very, very pretty there. Uh, the, there's only one Duquesne in the field, and that's being fielded by DKR Engineering uh, with uh, John Glaru and Lawrence Hoare, um, who we know from... Uh, Chris mentioned last time out that they run at the Nürburgring 24 hours. Uh, so uh, he was also racing at Daytona very recently as well um, in that car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duquesne versus Ligier. Where, where, where do you sit? Uh, Ligier. Yeah. Okay. So why? Why Why Ligier? Are we, are we talking about looks or are we talking about... Just in general. Like, how, how do you feel? Ambivalent. But at the same time... I don't know. For me, the Legia, I think, is just the stronger of the cars. Well, see, this is the thing, right? So the the, the P3 tenders were meant to be all, you know, approximately equal, like the P2 tenders. Yeah, but we've, allegedly. We've already seen it's taken one whole truncated season for the Ligier to be the car to have. Of this 10-car field, mm. eight of them are Ligiers. Uh, you know, that, that might be due in part to the Duquesne having a weight penalty for not being homologated on time. Uh, which we knew about, but that was only for one season. So I, I it, it is, that is gone. That is that sh- that should be gone. It is a little yeah. perplexing to me to see you know a field entirely of Ligiers, especially considering some of these teams like Nielsen Racing, particularly, were running Duquesnes in the last regulation or running Normas who were became Duquesne. So yeah, it's a it's a, it's a bit weird for me. Yeah, and I think and just the. Alex just posted in the chat, you know, the, the Decanes were quicker at Daytona, um, so potentially straight line performance, and that does look a bit slippier, just looking at a couple of images I've seen. Um, and we did know that already. We did know that because yeah. uh, the Decanes, oh, sorry, the Normas' first victories were at Monza and at Spa, and they were of just, course. yeah, just a, another that's, level. That's where I've been thrown as well, Norma Decane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so at Abu Dhabi, like the second weekend, mm. they, they could be bullets in the straight line but for me Ligier is still and, and it's and it's the same thing with p2 like everyone's gonna flock to the better car yeah so everyone's sort of flocking to the Ligier. and i know and i, I <laughs> you're having real trouble with that aren't you i have i have real trouble with english let this... alone french 
Ah, oh, you said it, not me. Um, I I wonder how much of uh, how much of the decision to go to Ligier is based on the you know the support package and the customer package because I mean Ligier have you know an incredible supply line when it comes to building their cars and supplying spares. So maybe they're able to offer these things at a more competitive price point than than Duquesne, which is you know an outfit that was a race team and then bought the assets to be a chassis producer a producer but it's a vicious cycle isn't it you build a better car you get more teams your supply network gets bigger you can make things cheaper make it cheaper to service that market your market gets bigger you can make things cheaper round and round and roundabout yeah. nobody knows where it's going to stop yeah this is true uh one thing I will say to that, though, is at least in GT competition, there will always be someone who wants to run your car. Like, you, you see, you see, you know, the, the big factory powers of Mercedes and Porsche and Audi and Ferrari, etc., etc. But, you know, you, even the most boutique manufacturer in GT3 competition has a customer. They don't have yeah, to. But, but, yeah, I can understand that P3 might be a bit different. Yeah, conversely, you know, in GT, there's plenty of people going, oh, I want to rest a Ferrari. I want to rest a Mercedes. I want to rest a Acura because I'm dumb and stupid. <laughs> it's not necessarily going to have that for the P3 class. You're yeah. not going to go, oh, I want to rest a Norma. That's true. That's true. And I mean, I guess that's why you don't ever see an Ades around on, you know, anything that's normal. Yeah. Anything yes. that's trying to be competitive. Anyway, uh, uh, sorry for that little tangent. Some some drivers and some teams. So, firstly, let's talk about United Autosports because they are the juggernaut when it comes to peak, uh, like prototype competition. Uh, Duncan Tappy is in the number three car. Very familiar with his work from uh, the European yeah. Le Mans series. I think it was in the two. Uh, in the two car, it's listed as Ian Log, Rob Weldon, and Andrew Merrick. So, I'm not sure if that's changed on your entry list compared to mine. Okay. Maybe it has. Um, Wikipedia, you let me down. Oh, bloody Wikipedia, right? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the number 23 car, because that has a, an interesting driver lineup that was only just announced today. Uh, we have uh, Manuel Maldonado, who is the cousin of uh, former, former, former Formula One driver, even I'm having trouble with English tonight, uh, Pastor Maldonado. Uh, and then alongside him is Wayne Boyd, who, again, we're familiar with from his exploits in P3 in the European Le Mans series, and a Finnish driver, Rory Pettinen. Now, you've done a little bit of research on Rory Pettinen. Give us a bit of a, an introduction yeah. to him. Yeah, so, obviously Finnish. He's been around the traps for a bit. He's, uh, yeah, been around for 16 years at least. He raced last year in the Agile Mind series with Graf. Okay. That's a pang. He's also raced in Mission Le Mans Cup with Graf. Had a couple of podiums and a second to Paul Ricard. Um, he's also raced a lot in TCR lower class races at like 24 hour Creventic racing. Yep. He knows what it takes to perform well in endurance racing. Yeah, interesting sort of uh, pickup to to steal someone from Graf, considering that Graf aren't even competing in this uh, the Asian Le Mans series, which is a little yeah, bit of another, a surprise to me. That was another big name we missed last before. Graf's lost is everyone else's gain. Ah, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Uh, well, at least United Autosports gain. Yeah, and uh, Manuel Maldonado. I'm gonna uh, no, I won't steal the joke about them being automatic. But um, <laughs> thank you he, very much, Wes, for that yeah. one. Wes in the chat. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 21-year-old, he actually raced in Euro Formula Open last year with with Motorpark. Not a bad team, finished fourth in the season there. Um, has raced British F3 as well. 
So young one learning his craft will have Venezuelan money. I don't know where they get their money from, but yeah, no one has any money there. That's true. Ah, yes. Welcome to geopolitics with Flood and Kiwi. <laughs> oh, we're gonna be in trouble. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> let's talk about some racing. Nielsen Racing also joining uh, Matt Bell, Rodrigo Sales, Sales, uh, Tony Wells, Colin Noble. Tony Wells, Colin Noble. We know what they can do. They won the Asian Le Mans series last year? Question mark. Uh, in a very very tight tussle with Inter Europol, who again another team that isn't joining us for the uh, Asian Le Mans series. Uh, so they'll be one to watch out for. RLRM Sport are joining with three drivers, of which I know none of them. I think it's, that's just, yeah, sil- uh, bronze, bronze, bronze. Uh, yeah, basically. Well, silver, silver, bronze. Um, Malta yeah. Jacobson uh, is a driver from Denmark who I feel like I should know, but I don't. Um, so we'll leave a that quick, one well a, enough alone. A quick Google says he's, uh, yeah, Renault F4 Danish champion. So... Yeah, on the way up. Uh, CD Sport, a a team that I've never heard of before from Spain uh, with drivers I've never heard before. Uh, Michael Jensen, not Mikael Jensen. Yeah, I was excited for a second there. I'm like, oh, Mikkel Jensen. But no, that's Michael Jensen, so a South African. So again, never heard of before. Uh, Phoenix Racing is also entering a car in P3. Uh, This one has a driver I actually recognize in Vincent Kolb. Ah. Now, I don't know where I recognize that from, but I definitely recognize it. And it's not because you know Kolb Corner from Barbagallo. <laughs> oh, God. He's a 25-year-old. He's a um, he's raced in... I'm guessing he's raced in Phoenix Racing Audis. Yeah, most likely. Um, which, if I have a look at Driver DB, he's raced for <laughs> Phoenix Racing in uh, VLN. He's raced for Herbeth. And uh, ah, this year, he, yes. he actually raced this year at Dubai where the car didn't finish. Oh, that was my fantasy WEC pick as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's 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 been around the traps traps a little bit. Yeah. So that's that's why I recognise that name. So ten car field, we've done something about the drivers. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a thing. We don't even know what it was. This is true. Looking at those drivers and those teams particularly. Where would you place your money if you were a betting man? You really can't go past United, can you? I, I would actually go the number nine Nielsen racing car. That's where I would sit. Ooh. Uh, do they have a third driver? Uh, they don't need a third driver. P3 okay. competition has generally been mostly two drivers uh, so far in in ACO competition, whether that be a uh, European Le Mans series or Asian Le Mans series. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, if they, if, they have, if they haven't got a third driver and they're the two, then I can see, I can definitely see why Nielsen would be up there in the rankings. Mm. Uh, we have Alex, um, we have Alex in the chat suggesting Duquesne, a DKR engineering. That would be a good av- advertisement for the chassis. Yeah. I, I just not sure about the driver lineup. Mm. Yeah. Um, Nelson, yeah, he's like he said, Nelson, the nine is definitely the best of the two. So I think it's between Nelson and I'm going to say the, the two. Uh, or the three, sorry. Yeah, the three. Or, or James McGuire, Duncan Tappy, Andrew Bentley. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a question that's just popped up in the chat. Have we sorted out the P3 fuel consumption? You might remember uh, last year that there was some problems with the P3 cars not making their 
expected fuel consumption numbers. Um, I have to say I have no idea. Um, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say no because nothing would have happened. Nothing's happened anywhere for anything in the last twelve months. So why would they sort fuel consumption now? This is true. So we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that. Remember with P3 as well, you have to take two sorry three pit stops with a minimum time and then any other pit stops you take around that are free um so that's going to be something to keep in mind while trying to track the p3 races uh and that does get very complex very quickly um especially if there's safety cars at weird times or things like that uh i'm going to pose the same question to you again uh in p3 compared to the p3 of last season uh stronger weaker indifferent 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 i'll be on i'll be honest i didn't pay a lot of attention to the p3 class last year because the p especially at the bend the p2 class was oh my god this is a kiwi car with all the kiwi drivers <laughs> and then it broke um and then it broke cool that's uh, so you just sound I like think- the normal aco race director then or the the programming director <laughs> the director but i think this year i'm gonna pay a bit more attention to p3 because it could be a cracking battle it could. I I am a little disappointed to not see Graf racing into Europol, those uh, those sort of guys in this class. But, I mean, three cars from United, two cars from Nielsen Racing, that, that's almost a, a good enough fight as it is. So, mm. uh, And and I've, I'm going to say, just keep an eye out on Phoenix. We know they're a good team. Mm, this is true. Just keep a sneaky eye on them. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how the LMP3 battle plays out. Now we get to the big chunky boy, uh, GT3 class, 19 cars, including one GTM car. So GT3 Congratulations on your win. So well done, Rinaldi Racing. I guess we'll start there. Uh, number 66 yeah. car, Christian Hook, Manuel Oak, uh, Patrick Cujolo. Cujolo is a name I recognize. I don't remember the other two. Uh Rinaldi Racing green Ferraris, they used to be. They used to be very cool. Now I think they're red like everyone else. Like all the normies. They get a mm. class win for turning up, basically. They are the Rick Ware of of the 2021 <laughs> season. Uh, yeah, so Christian Tooks, 53. And who was the other guy? Manuel Laug. Laug, yes. I, mean, I just butchered the third language. Not... How did you butcher German? <laughs> like, that's... I don't know. Hey, now, it says Manuel Lauk won a race this year. I'm just going to see what it was. The six hours of Abu Dhabi in the 991 class. There you go. So, even if they weren't going to win, weren't the only car in this class, they might have won it. Yeah, that's that's true. I'm not too sure on the, the regulations on the AM class, whether or not it is all bronzes or two bronzes and one silver, because there seems to be other all am cars that are not am cars if that makes sense yeah i'm 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 gonna take i'm guessing here then that maybe if you're in gt3 am you can't get the auto invite maybe maybe i so not... people are going oh we're gonna push in for this because you never know what could happen yeah that could be that could be true um we're not too sh- i'm not too sure on that unfortunately um it has all just this is all just kind of rushed up upon us uh with how quick mm. the year is already gone it so indeed. So let's break down this class uh, elsewhere. We have, oh, let's have a look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven Ferrari GT3s. Uh, a McLaren, mm-hmm. a Mercedes, 
five Aston Martins, two Porsches, nice. two BMWs, uh, and that is your field. Uh, so let's start with probably the biggest change in the off season. Last season's champions, Hub Auto Racing, no longer Hub Auto Corsa because they're not driving a Ferrari anymore. They're in a Mercedes. Uh, and driving in that team is an Australian driver that you and I both know very well, Liam Talbot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then two of the drivers from... Well, sorry, another driver from last season, Marcus Gomez, and then Raffaele Marciello. <laughs> There's bringing Bazooka to a knife fight. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but this car is incredible strong. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Talbot is a highly consistent AM driver in Australia. Mm-hmm. Well, just in Australia, he's raced pretty well everything I can think of. Yeah. Um, and I've... And of course, for those who remember High Five, he's now married to Mrs. Charlie Robinson. Who's going to be one of the media personalities in the Supercars Championship this year. So there you go. Yeah. Actually, he proposed in uh, before the Bathurst Carrera Cup race on the grid. He, he did, yes. Yeah. Um, what and also just welcome to, I, I welcome to second kids to the world in July. So he's probably going, yes, two weeks without the family. <laughs> oh, good on him. Uh of course, this car won the championship last year, so uh, for all of our messing around, they're actually quite a good uh, outfit, quite mm-hmm. a good driver lineup. This car has also won IGTC races in the past, winning the Eight Hours of California in 2019, if I remember correctly, at the hands of Percat, mm-hmm. uh, Foster, and Tim Slade. Yes, that's right. Uh, Marcus Gomez, uh, Brazilian driver, I am, I believe. Uh, Brazilian stock car champion, maybe. Uh, and then Raphael mm-hmm. and Marciello, like, just watch a Macau and you'll see Marciello just win. <laughs> yep. Just watch any race that he's in and he'll win, basically. Absolutely. Um, this car is rather about tough to beat. Big change um, from Ferrari to Mercedes over the over the, the break. That's not something I was expecting, considering that Hub Auto Corsa have been, you know, Ferrari forever. Yeah, but they're running with, if it's... Yeah, I don't know. I Ferrari, wonder, I wonder yeah. if they never replaced the Ferrari they rode off at Bathurst last year. Yeah, that makes sense. So they just found a skip out of town and just went, here you go. <laughs> Imagine finding that in the skip in a country town in Australia. <laughs> Blimey. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the lone McLaren in the field as well. Uh, first time McLaren's raced in ACO Formula for quite a while. Uh uh inception racing with optimum uh now this has two drivers i have absolutely no idea about which is brendan Eribe and ollie milroy and i have no idea i milroy looks right but i have no idea how to say brendan's last name and then one driver i know a lot about and that is ben barnacote yeah uh brendan Eribe, i'm gonna guess american uh he right he's a bit of a he's raced with optimum last year in Mission Mon Cup, British GT, and a thing called a pure McLaren GT series. Okay, fair enough. Um, he's, yeah. And uh, Ollie Milroy, I think, Ollie can probably correct us here, he's probably also one of Optimum's drivers in British GT. And then Ben Barnacote, who is crazy fast and seems to do well in Asian-based competitions. So, yeah, Ben Barnacote was racing the Thunderhead Cullen car last year, took a race victory in the last round, and also took uh, pole at the bend with a terrifyingly fast lap. He was 
absolutely over the moon with that lap after after that uh, qualifying session. Um, very cool by a guy, Ben Barnacote, by the way. If you ever get the chance to meet him, he'll talk your ear off. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, this, uh, this, the AM drivers here are going to be what let this card down, I suspect. And I, I feel like you could say that through a lot of the field, to be honest. We'll talk a bit more about some of the other AM drivers in the field as we get to them. Uh, but they are the two single manufacturer efforts. Let's talk uh, about the, the BMWs next thing, as they have a two-car outfit from Walkenhorst. So both cars with Walkenhorst. Um, Chandler Hull, uh, Jonathan Miller, and Nikki Katzberg in one car. And then the other car has a pair of bronze drivers, Hen- Henry Walkenhorst, Mr. Walkenhorst, and Jörg Brewer. Uh, a bit... For me, that's four, three unknowns, Henry Walkenhorst and also Nicky Katzberg, which kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Considering yeah. considering we've seen the number one car, how do you rate the chances of the BMWs? Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah? <laughs> okay. Yeah, nah. Um, good point raised by Alex and Chad. You know, the 35 is the perfect example of a car that's probably an AM car. Almost definitely an AM car, to be fair. Yeah, so that should be probably down an AM. And who knows, it might end up an AM before we start the race. Um. Chandler Hull is TC America driver. Okay, cool. That's definitely a series I watch. Yeah, yeah. So he um he races a Beamer for Beamer World Racing. Oh, okay. There and you go. And John Miller is some guy. <laughs> yeah, fair. We need this is why we needed Chris. Oh, Chris, why are you doing night shift? Why can't you come hang out with us? Uh, so Alex saying in the chat that these guys have GT4 experience, but probably not much yeah. GT. So if you're going to find GT3 experience in a in a properly populated field, Ace Le Mans series is probably one of the best places you could do it without oh, running into trouble. Yeah, it's off Broadway enough while still keeping your name out there. Yeah. Uh, so those are the BMWs. Uh, three Porsches are in the mix. Uh, two from Procote Herberth Motorsport, which we love to see from Creventic. Um, we'll chat quickly through those two cars. Number 93, Stefan Gorig, Antares Al, and Klaus Backler. Uh, we know Klaus Backler. We've seen Stefan Gorig before. Antares Al is a Hong Kongian bronze driver that I've never heard of before. Yep. Um, it won GT at the Abu Dhabi 6 Hours car collection Audi. Nice. So they don't normally have, they don't normally have does drive for them, so he's actually... No doubt, got a bit, a bit of something behind him. There we go. And then the other uh, Herbert Motorsport car, number 99, Ralph Bon, Alfred Renau, Robert Renau. And that's the car that we've seen do awesome things in Creventic. And also yeah, uh, GT uh, SRO as well. Yeah, that, and Nürburgring. That's and basically, Nürburgring. yeah. That's Renau is doing Renau things in a German car. That's just what they do. That, that is what they do. Uh, the last Porsche on the list is GPX Racing. So an, a UAE-based team uh, jumping into the series. We've seen this car in uh, SRO competition, I, IGTC. I think they won the 2019 Spa 24, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the the Gol- basically the Golf liveried Porsche throwback cars. Uh, Axel Jeffries... Alain Fert, I, Ferte, I'm not sure Ferte. exactly on that one. Uh, and Julian Anlau, uh, his, is this his first event as a gold-rated Porsche driver? Because remember, he was a, a, a silver driver uh, in that mm. amazing Dempsey Proton car that should have won everything, but they found out that it cheated, uh, which... Mm, mm, um, mm. But still, Anlau, he's like, what, 21 years of age? Uh, yeah, 21. 
Uh, Porsche sleeping. Yeah, and we, he's going to be amazing. Exactly. It's just a matter of time. Um, and we know what Axel Jeffries can do. Do we? Well, his name's come up a lot in the AM classes. Okay. And and Zimbabwean driver, you don't get many of those. That's true. You do not get many and, Zimbabwean drivers. And he's a senior race instructor at Yas Marina Circuit. Oh, well then. Well then. <laughs> so when we were talking about drivers maybe not knowing the track, he will mm-hmm. have very much a leg up on everyone. Yes, and Axel Jeffries raced last year in the Silver Cup class in GT World Challenge Europe, second overall. Nice. Okay, okay. I am convinced. For Mad Panda, one of the great <laughs> names of motorsport. <laughs> Brilliant. Up there with Car Guy. Um, yep. Alain Fertu, though, we've got some information from the chat that he's ni- uh, 95, 65 years old. Uh, <laughs> 95? <laughs> that would be impressive. Uh, uh, so, of the three Porsches, which one do you reckon is the strongest? Despite the octogenarian-ish car, I reckon it's going to be the Ford the GPX racing. Okay, okay. I, oh, It's a tight toss-up between that and the 99 car for me, but... Julian Antlauer, man, he's he's got something about him. He's exciting. He's exciting to watch. Mm. Uh, yes, he yes, Alan Alain Ferte is old, but he's been doing this racing since 1985. So, so he's experienced. Like yeah, and you, you know, age doesn't mean anything. Ken Smith raced in his 50th New Zealand Grand Prix over the week a couple of weekends ago. Hey, didn't one Manuel Fangio win the Formula One World Championship at like 55? Something like that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, looking, uh, and he's raced at, at Le Mans a bunch of times. According to Wes in the chat, made his Le Mans debut in '83. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Good year, '83. Uh, that was the year that the two factory Porsches broke down five five meters beyond the finish line. Beyond the finish line being the key point. Beyond the yes, beyond the finish line. <laughs> Great race, that one. Uh, we'll move on to the Aston Martins. Five Aston Martins. I think the, the most Aston Martin dense field I've seen in GT3 racing ever. Anywhere? Anywhere, yeah. Uh, and uh, three separate teams. Uh, TF Sport uh, fielding two cars. One with John Harstone, Holly, Ollie Hancock, and Charlie Eastwood. So Charlie Eastwood, of course, being the young factory driver there. Uh, I'm not too sure on... Harstone and Hancock, great British drivers. I'm going to assume British GT related somehow. That is most likely for TF Sport, isn't it? Yeah. John Hartthorne, yeah, he's 63. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, and Ollie Hancock, he actually has a link, so he might be okay. He's my age. So that's that's he's... early 30s for those playing along at home? Yeah. Yep. And no, I can't see much about British GT, so maybe he's just a bit of a... Got money, come ride. Oh, there you go. Uh, the other car that they have is Oman Racing with TF, which is an Omani racing, uh, Omani flagged outfit. Um, Ahmad Alhati, Tom Canning, and Johnny Adams. So there's another name mm. I recognize. There's two names I recognize. Ahmad Alhati. Yeah. I should another name from a different country, Omani. <laughs> He's um done very well in the amateur classes, British GT. He's had quite a number of podiums. And that was actually in the overall podium. Cool. And I seem to recall him, yeah, 2017 Endurance Cup program champion. Wow. Okay. 
That's uh, I I did recognize the name. I just did, couldn't place mm. his his performances. That's that'll be a good looking car. We'll keep an eye out for that one. Uh, two garage fifty nine entries, neither of which running the number fifty nine because of course not. That would make too much sense. Uh, first one is Mister Garage fifty nine Alexander West alongside Maxime Martin and Valentin Hasclot, who I've never heard of before. Uh, and then the number 89 car is Mike Benham, Marvin Kirchhofer, and Yuki Nemoto, a Japanese driver. Now, Kirchhofer, or Kirchhofer, uh, I'm not exactly sure on the pronunciation. Uh, everyone would remember from his incredible Bathurst 12-hour crash last year, where the car rolled over at McPhillamy Park after hitting the wall. It was terrifying stuff. Uh, but he was okay. He's back racing Aston Martins. Uh... Maxi Martin in the, the 88 car. I, I think the 88 car, for me, is the stronger of the two Garage 59 cars. I think. I I think. I want to check out Valentin Hasaklot before I say that, because I can say the Japanese driver, Yuki Nomoto, is um, a younger driver. He's raced an Italian GT, Lamborghini Super Trofeo. Um, not any great success but he's still only 24 years old and by the way for those playing along at home the version of the entry list that we have in front of us is missing some nationalities and more importantly missing some driver ratings so it's not too bad when it's missing for example Raffaele Marcello mm. who we know is a platinum but when it's missing someone that we're not too sure on it's it's we're we're running a little blind here mm. and Hasse Plot is 2020 GT4 European Series Silver Cup champion. Oh, well, there you go. That's, so he's actually pretty solid for silver. Silver Cup is no mean feat. So that's that's pretty, pretty good. Uh, I, yeah, that solidifies in my head that the number 88 is the stronger of those two. Me too. Also, there's no 59 car in the grid. What the hell are you guys doing? For right? It makes so. no sense. <laughs> like, I can, it's bad enough... With- it's bad enough of Bethesda 12 hour we have Garage 59 and 59 Racing. Oh, my God. Okay, so, of course, this is the, like, the echoes of the split between uh, Garage, fi- Garage 59 when they were running the McLaren team, and then when McLaren wanted to hold on to the 59 number. It's just a mess. To be fair to... Uh, to be fair to Garage 59, they do run number 188 and 189 in the AM classes of SRO competition. So, it's... Uh, that they're being internally consistent, but it just makes no sense considering that mm. there it's yeah that there's no fifty. Oh come on, guys, please. Um, yeah, and that's the attitude I'm going to take to this next next car as well. Uh, the D Station <laughs> Racing Car, uh, Tom Gamble, Tomonobu Fuji, and we've encountered Satoshi Hoshino before. We have mixed feelings about Satoshi Hoshino. Let's just hope he doesn't crash basically yeah and quite frankly his teammates aren't going to i mean tomonobu fuji is the gt300 driver for d station yeah they and tom gam have won races in super gt before though fuji and hoshino yeah but who was the who was the other driver in the car at the time uh yeah yeah, i mean i don't expect you to know off the top of your head where's chris have a quick yeah, true. He'd probably be able to tell you. But if I have a look at, let's say, uh, 2012, 
Wait, or not, maybe not 2012, that's a dumb example. Let's have a look at their last one, which is 2016, right? Yeah. D-Station Racing, if I get Google to work properly, there we go, had Richard Lyons. I don't recognize that name. And that wasn't even a D-Station, that was a a, um, Audi. Yeah. Well, like, okay, so... A few, uh, we are we are memeing on this car a little bit, but let's have a, an actual talk about this. Hashino mm. and Fuji have been racing together for quite a long time, so they know each other mm-hmm. very well. They have won races together. That doesn't just happen. Uh, this car is also the only car on the entry list I can see with two pro drivers in it. So, Tomonoji Fuji and Tom Gamble are both... Oh, sorry, Tom Gamble's silver-rated, so you just ignore everything I said. But Tom Gamble is, like, very, very good. They have performed well at other races. They won the first race of the series last year. Admittedly, though, that was with uh, the young Aston Martin driver whose name just immediately escapes me right when I need it most. Ross Gunn. Thank you, the Andy Blackmore spotters guide on the wall next to me. It's we are We are taking the piss a little bit, but this could be an actual contender. Yeah. And Tom Gamble, he's 19. And he won last year in LMP3 for you know, in the European Le Mans series. Yeah, exactly. United. See, I, I knew I knew I was right about Gamble being a gold. Mm. Thank you very much, Ollie. Because it's a technically a 2020-2021 entry list, they're able to use last year's driver ratings. And I think Tom Gamble has been upgraded. So they're running Gamble as a silver. So there you go. Loopholes. I, I knew I was right. I knew I was right. Um, in saying that though, I don't think they, they, they might be the strongest Aston Martin, but I don't think that they are the strongest lineup at all on the grid. Have any of these lineups been better than the zero one? Not yet. Not yet. But mm. let's talk about some Ferraris of which there are too many. There is what? Seven Ferraris on this list? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six, I can't... Uh, seven, seven, one of which is the AM we've talked about. Yeah, okay. So seven, uh, six that we need to talk about. Now, I'm going to beeline straight for the two that we have already seen before. And that is the two cars from AF Corsa, uh, the 51 and the 50 car, a uh, 54, which have basically been lifted straight from the WEC competition and placed in this class. So 51, Francesco Piovanetti, Oz, Oz Negri Jr. and Alessandro Piaguidi. 54, Thomas Floor, Francesco Castellacci, and Giancarlo Fisichella. These are race-winning WEC GTM lineups that are in this class. I didn't realize I, of course, needed the auto-invite this badly. <laughs> hey, well, with, if GT, <laughs> GTE Pro starts to become a bit shaky, they might, they might need a few cars to, to buff up the Ferrari entry list. Can we just say, wow and holy cow? This it's... Is- it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that these these teams like they are doing absolutely everything by the book here. Like they're not breaking any rival rating rules. There's no there's no even not even any loopholes being used here. These are just two incredibly quality quality lineups that are coming over from uh, from the WEC. It's ridiculous. And Ferrari just, yeah. I of course, have, yeah, look, look, nah, wow. What can we say? Yeah. They just, Solidly amazing, and they're very likely the winners of the class is going to come from one of these two cars. Yeah, well, I mean, I was about to ask: Are these lineups challenging the number one? Do you, do you see these as finally a, a challenger for the number one? 
the amateur driver in both those cars, I think, is better than Liam Talbot. So, yes. That is a huge call, but I like it. Uh, let's jump to the Kessel Racing car, number 27. Uh, only two drivers in this car. Giorgio Rota, who used to be driving the GTE AM, GTE ELMS Racing Proton Porsches uh, with Gianluca Rota, which I believe is his father. I think that's the right way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Francesco Zolo, who's a name that I don't recognize, a bronze rated driver from Italy. I, I, it, without a pro in that car, it's not really a- exciting to me. Yeah, this yeah. is another one that should be down in AM. I would expect um, so. Yeah, Francesco Zolo, quick Google, get to come up with a whole lot, apart from the fact he drives a black Ferrari with a huge old school number 46 on the front. Nice. That is that is that uh, a reference to Valentino Rossi? Yes, it is. Nice. Uh, and then there's still three other Ferraris on the on this list. Another Kessel Racing Ferrari. So let's go there next. Um, Takeshi Kimura, uh, who's a name I definitely recognise uh, from Asian Le Mans series related races before. Uh, and then this is the car that's really scary to me because you have in it. Mikkel Jensen, who, again, is now a gold driver, but is listed as a silver driver. And Combe Ledegar, who was last year's mm-hmm. Asian Le Mans Series champion with car guy. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this, is the, you... this is the car guy racing car that, that used, yeah. well, used to be car guy racing. No, still is car guy. Oh, it? it is still car guy. It's listed yeah. as Kessel. Okay. No, this isn't a way entry car guy. Oh, there you go. Well, potato, tomato. Anyway, Kimura, Jensen, Ledegar. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, I, I'm going to take back what I said before. There's three now, three Ferraris in contention to win this. It, they just keep getting better, don't they? So yeah, Combe Ledegar, uh, won pole position in Super Pole for GTM last year, which was really, really cool. Um, driving with the Luzic Racing team. So he was with Oz Negri and Francesco Piovanetti last year at Le Mans. Um, Mikkel Jensen is the most fake silver driver since uh, Job van Oetert and, <laughs> and Phil Hansen and, uh, <laughs> and Ross Gunn. I'm sensing a trend here. Um, anyway, so uh, Mikkel Jensen, I- incredible silver driver, was faster than Roman Rusinov, was faster than most of the P2 field at Le Mans, just by the way. And then Takeshi Kimura, who's one of the best AM drivers in the Asian region. Like This, this car, even with its goofy Disney font on the side of it, in the fluoro yellow with car guy, that's like, it's, it, this is going to be a serious contender. Absolutely, positively. <laughs> and sorry for taking all the talking it. points about that car. I just was too excited. Yeah, thanks. No, yeah, no don't blame you. Hey, it's, un- it's unlike you to not be excited about a- to be excited about a car other than a Porsche. I know, but I just I just love good racing teams, and this is one of them, and it's going to be so good. It's okay. I'll let you take all the talking points about the Formula Racing car because that one's also a cool car. Formula Racing, uh, the number Danish team with. Number 60 with Danish team with three Danish drivers. Johnny Lawson, Frederick Poulsen, and Nicholas Nielsen. You did well. Alderson. You did well. Nicholas Nielsen. Uh, Nicholas Nielsen, we know. Yes. And we know he can absolutely just bloody blitz it. 
He can steer a car. Yes. Johnny Larson and Frederick Paulson. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing those correctly. I don't know too much about them. I'm assuming they're going to be um, the amateurs, probably do a bit of Scandinavian racing. Um, Frederick Paulson is a name that I recognize, um, but I'm not sure from where. I, I might have even been in um, the... Uh, might have even been in the uh, AF Corsa car in the European Le Mans series, maybe? Yep. Okay. Um, Johnny Larson, Ferrari Challenge Europe, and actually came third in the GT Nations Cup. Ooh, there you go. Is that running again this year? Uh, well, that's the plan. And Frederick Paulson, even Google's not giving me much about him. Uh, Ferrari so, Challenge, there we go. Yeah, Ferrari Challenge... Uh, he won Ferrari Challenge last year, actually, in his debut year. Hmm. There, there you go. go. So and Johnny Larson's won it in the past. He, yeah, well, there you go. Uh, Frederick uh, Frederick Paulson, uh, twelve podiums out of twelve races last year uh, in the uh, in the um, Ferrari Challenge, including seven race wins. So he must be a pretty good steerer. Uh, if they're putting him into a Ferrari. To go race an international series, he must be a damn pretty good steerer. Mm. Um, yeah, and F- and Formula Racing is actually the team, the Danish team that runs the car in Ferrari Challenge for them. There you go, perfect. Uh, it is the new Dane train, considering that the Aston mm. Dane train is not really a thing anymore. I'm excited by that one, but I don't think it's going to the lineups as good as the other Ferraris. I'm- so I don't think it. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm interested to see how Nicholas Nielsen goes being the sole pro in a car. So oh, this mm. is this is something that is uh, has seen other up-and-coming drivers kind of trip up. You know, we've seen Matteo Cairoli run into this before, and Julian Anlauer to an extent. And as well, there was another Porsche driver who ran into this problem. And you could argue even Rus- Roman Rusinov's run into this problem. It's very easy to be the the heavyweight silver driver in a team because you have another pro to share the load with, to share the setup with, to, to, you know, help marshal the car through the race. When you are the pro, the setup, the, the, the weight of responsibility is on your shoulders. So you have to be the one who's carrying the AM drivers. And we see a lot of silver drivers or, or young professionals who start off blitzing everyone because, you know, someone else is doing the setup for them. They're racing against silver drivers and they're being very impressive and very quick and it's all great. But when they get, when they are the ones who have to marshal the team and have the responsibility of the setup, of racing the other professionals, of getting the worst of the tires or the fuel strategy, it, it, they don't seem to have that same flair. So I'll be interested to see mm. how Nielsen tackles that and whether or not he can stand up against the other pro drivers. Yeah, and I think as well the other part of it is when we have pro, a single pro driver. More often than not, you tend to get them overdriving the car as well. Mm, indeed. And because they think, oh, I'm going to make up for lost time, and generally they'll end up putting it into the barrier somewhere, so, or something like that. Yeah. So it, it, it's going to be, it is a different challenge. And as I've said, there are a few who don't quite meet it, and then there are a few who do very well. So it'll be interesting to see. Nicholas like, Nielsen is very impressive. I, I reckon he can handle it. 
I wouldn't be surprised to see him do very well. <laughs> Let's be real here. Yeah. He basically yeah. carried AF Corsa uh, to a championship in the ELMS a season ago. It was ridiculous what he was able to do in that car. Yeah. Uh, very strong car. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There is one more Ferrari on the entry list. Ooh. That is the Rinaldi Racing Ferrari. Uh, number 55 car, Reno Mastronati, David Perel, and Davide Rigon. So, uh, Mastronati, solid bronze driver. David Perel, not too familiar with him. Davide Rigon... WEC GTE Pro driver. Yeah. Ferrari seems to be going pretty hard. They they are really going at it. Well, Rinaldi, you know, we haven't seen Rinaldi do a lot at, well, have we ever seen them at Le Mans? Uh, no, we've seen them do a bunch of stuff hmm. in GTO, uh, SRO competition, but not G, uh, not Le Mans, I think. Yeah. Um. So that like, third driver you mentioned, David Perel from South Africa, uh, race with, with Kessel racing last year in Mission Le Mans Cup, third overall. Huh. Had one, two, five podiums out of the seven races. That's pretty good. That's pretty solid. Yeah. That's actually pretty and, impressive. And he also raced in 2020 European Le Mans series for Kessel Racing, second overall. Ah, that's where I remember him from. Yeah. Nice. With, with four podiums out of five. There you go. So how do we rank that amongst the Ferraris? It's a very intriguing Ferrari, but it's not the it's I, not the Kessel Racing car, is it? It's not the Kessel Racing car. No. <laughs> that's the thing. Like that's the thing about this entry list. If you, like, it was the same thing about the Daytona entry list. There there were so many good cars, but also the number nine exists, even though they ran into problems with the path Porsche and, you know, struggled throughout the race. It makes it hard to really pick another car because you look at that entry list and it's like, well, you have the number one and you have the number 57 and no one else really comes close. Uh, It's yeah, it's a bit of a... Apart from the 51 and 54. Uh, I mean, yeah, and then apart from, you know, this one and that one and all that sort of stuff, but they, they just stick out like a sore thumb, to me, at least. Yeah. Um, You're going to ask me to try and pick a top three, aren't you? Not quite, yeah. I do want to have a little bit of yeah. a di- discussion about uh, why we haven't seen, why we aren't seeing more Porsches, uh, because, you know, Ferrari have taken this very seriously. There's like five Ferrari crews that could win overall here. Aston Martin as well. There's five Aston Martins. I haven't seen that many Aston Martins on a few, on a grid since I've just... Um, you know, BMW, BMW do their own thing. No one really pays attention to them anyway. McLaren is a more boutique manufacturer. That's why they've got one. Mercedes don't really have a stake in ACO competition. But Porsche, Porsche have a real stake in ACO competition here. Why aren't there? Why isn't there a more serious effort from Porsche, especially considering that you have Abu Dhabi Proton and Abdulaziz Al Faisal, or you know those kind of guys who normally take Porsches and race them just for fun? Like where? Where is you know? I'm yeah. trying to remember. I'm trying to remember having, the other one. Having, having said that, there were no Porsches at all last year. This is true. This is absolutely true. So, you know, three is an improvement on zero. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that when you have Ferrari sending, sending their WEC GTE Pro drivers and Aston Martin sending their WEC GTE Pro drivers, why, why Porsche aren't doing the same? Uh, uh, you know, you could... Why isn't uh, one of the Herberth cars, why don't 
why isn't Lawrence Vantour or Matt Campbell driving it? Why is GPX racing Julian Anlau, who's a young professional, sure, but he's not Kevin Est or uh, you know Patrick Pile or Earl Bamber? Thing is, a lot of those drivers you mentioned, they're off doing other things in America and Europe this year. I think it's really, unless you're racing in WEC or a series that doesn't start till May, it's really hard to commit to doing more than one series with the world the way it is at the moment. Yeah. And we know Porsche don't like to send shockingly, I was going to swear them, (laughs) terrible drivers. Yeah. Porsche don't send drivers to a race unless they think they can win that race. So I can understand it from Porsche's point of view why they they probably didn't think he probably haven't given it the full factory support that they have or would potentially want to do it or you know in previous mm. years. I I wonder if they are they've been more worried about uh covid transmissions than some other teams because mm. if you remember well, at, it happened. Yeah, that happened at Le Mans their entire GT cohort uh, was uh, you know, had, I think it was two of their drivers and like five of their team contracted COVID nineteen, so mm. they had to isolate after the event and missed yeah. Nurburgring because of it. And even we've seen it down here, um, not necessarily because of transmission itself, but you know, two V eight supercar drivers, Andre Heimgarner and Shane Van Gisbergen, went over to race in the New Zealand Grand Prix, and they got and stuck there. there. Mess- they got stuck there because. Because Melbourne had, a, you know, there was a explosion of cases in New Zealand. Well, explosion being two. Well, I mean, for you guys, that <laughs> is an explosion. Like we, yeah. we, we had a uh, in Perth, so uh, Western Australia, so not not near me, but the state next to me, who have been very sort of closed with their borders and very much like, no, don't come in here if you've got any COVID cases, we hate you. They had one case, one case. It was a a security guard of one of the Medi hotels, so one of the quarantine hotels that they put people in that when they returned to the state. Uh, one case, and they locked down the entire state because of one person. Like, it's... it's. I like that we have the luxury to be able to do that, but also, on the other hand, one case is a little crazy. Anyway, that's an entirely different yeah. conversation. <laughs> Geopolitical part two. Oh, um... yeah. Once again, geopolitics with Flood and cookie, uh, Kiwi. Far out. Cookie. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think you know because there's that uncertainty around the borders, and Porsche love to send their factory drivers out. They're not gonna, you know, they're really going shy about doing that at the moment. Yeah, so I, I think that's why you see no Porsches in Asia and on. Yeah, and I, I mean, most of the teams that Porsche want to be at Le Mans are either already racing in GTM, already racing in ELMS, and likely to win. Uh, win entries that way or just mm. capable themselves like i mean what they had four cars uh, under the pro uh, the dempsey proton or the proton competition banner last mm. last year and like do they really need more entries i mean of course they do because you know more more people need to be inundated with that glorious sound but yeah i i don't yeah, think right. yeah i i think on top of that they don't necessarily have the 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 need to send cars over no, agreed. Pardon me. So that is the 19 car GT3 field. Give me your top three. You knew this was coming. 
I knew this was coming and I still know more prepared than I was five minutes ago. In no particular order, the AF Corsa number 54, as much as I don't like to go against Pierre Guidi. <laughs> yeah, fair. The number 01. Yep. The cut. The, uh, racing. Uh, yep. And slight curveball. Don't. The don't. don't. The 55 for Renaldi Racing. Oh, that was way less of a curveball than I was expecting. Yeah. I was expecting you to say D Station Racing or something like that. No, I'm going to be that mad. Come on. I'm not, I'm not that insane. I mean, actually, yes, I am that insane. You are that insane. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm also going to be very uninspired and say the number one. Uh, I'm entirely surprised that you did not say the number 57. I mean, dude, bro, buddy, mate. The 57? Yeah. Kessel Racing. Kimura. Ledegar. Oh, car, the car guy. Yeah. yeah. Car guy. That's not 50. It's not? <laughs> True. True. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to put that one down and then, oh, which of the other Ferraris do I want? Which of the other Ferraris do I want? No, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do a curveball as well. And I'm going to say the 88, the garage 59 car. Not a, actually, as far as curveballs goes, this one's right in the lower corner of the box. That's, that's a good curveball. Nice. I, I was sticking with the baseball references for some, hey, for I got, some reason. I, <laughs> I nailed that one. Yeah. Well done. I'm very proud of you. Uh, so that is your grid. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit about the future of the Asian Le Mans series. So we're in this very condensed, very weird little schedule for now. Next season, they, they've they already planned a return to the bend, which you know I am very excited about. And I'm sure you are too. Oh, I'll be there. Absolutely. Uh, there's still plans in the works to go to Suzuka. There's still... You know the race at uh, the Chang International Circuit in Thailand, um, and you know we've raced. Let's not have an international incident. <laughs> Another one, <laughs> our, our, our friggin' a fourth one. Uh, we've uh, you know they've they've done the night race at Sepang or the day to night race at Sepang. They've raced in Shanghai. Uh, it's a series that is still on the up. And where do we see where do we see it sitting in the the world sports car landscape in an, another year or two? What they're doing really well, have been doing well, and it's the same thing we see with the TRS in New Zealand. It's that European off-season, come and race for a couple of months, have some fun, get an auto invite. I don't know how much more they can necessarily grow um, because you're going to run to a point where your tracks can only handle like 40 cars. Yeah. And when you throw into the fact that you know the Asia is a big region if you're racing in china australia japan thailand malaysia that's malaysia and if they and if these races in the middle east go well and they want to go back to the middle east Mm. and then there's how big is how long do you want the calendar to be if you commit to keeping it from november to february bearing in mind you got christmas and you won't get anyone racing over christmas you've really got what a three-month window to get that all in mm. and you're shipping cars from place to place. You can't really expand the calendar all that much to maybe five, five races maximum. I, I think five races would be the maximum. And I wouldn't be surprised to see five races once we start to swing back properly, uh, you know, after whatever this is. Mm. Um. So 
I can see a bit more expansion, but I think we'll also see uh, a consolidation of the calendar, a lot more of the big names coming back, maybe topping out at 44, 45 cars. Yeah. So when does the European Le Mans series run? European Le Mans series runs from like late April to October, right? Yeah. And that's five rounds and then Le Mans on top of that. And then, you know, a lot of the teams will do another round at the WEC at Spa. So I reckon it would it would be nice to see, to be able to extend the season for the Asian Le Mans series into March and run November to March or, you know, first week of December to March. Um just, just to give yourself a bit more time and see five races. I, I think that'll be a good medium because ideally you'd love to see the Asian Le Mans series get to the same level uh, as the European Le Mans series. You'd, love, you'd like to see it get to the same competition standard, the same sort of competitive respect, the same uh, mix of pro and am and ACO talent as the European Le Mans series, I don't quite think it's there because it, it's still seen, mm. uh, as you put it, as the as the off season series. You know, there's something to do while you're there, I guess. So yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd like to see I'd like to see it you know take a, a, another step up. But it's you know considering where we were, what four seasons ago, three seasons ago, where we had no English coverage, uh, like a eight car field, and you know we were lucky to find a stream of it. It's come a long way. Oh, very God, quick. God, yeah. And they'll continue to grow that. And I think the ACA realized that the Asian car market's going to expand and get in on that now. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about the future of this series. I'm excited to come back to the bend, even though if it means I have to meet you. Oh, suck it up, princess. <laughs> uh, brilliant. So that is your Asian Le Mans series. First race is this weekend uh, at uh, Dubai uh, on the 13th, so the Saturday. And then the second race will be on the 14th. The first race is at... uh, Oh, let me see if I can get this right. Uh, It's going to be uh, 2.15 local time, which is GMT plus four hours or UTC plus four hours. So I think that that works out to be like quarter past 10... European or UTC uh, and for us in Australia like late like 10pm or something or 11pm or 9pm or something just if you if you're confused and you don't want to trust me and my time zone malarkey which let me let me assure you is going to be well off the mark uh, just get the racing line app uh, who sponsored this podcast uh, it'll convert it all for you and give you a notification if you want and they've just added the uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge from the from the state, so you can't miss that either. Woo. So get the racing line app. Do it. It's going to be good for you. Do it. Um, yes. Does it, does it convert time zones from Adelaide time, which is 1972? It's not. No, just shut up, okay? When you build a multi-million dollar motorsport facility and have good racing at it, you can make time zone jokes, but until then, you can shut up. Although having a half hour time zone is both awesome and just an absolute curse. Anyway, uh, second race will be on the Sunday. That'll be a bit earlier. So this, the Friday, uh, the Saturday race will be uh, the twilight race. The Sunday race will start at 12.45 local. So like 8.45 UTC. And then I'm pretty sure it's the same thing at Yas Marina in a fortnight's time. So that'll be the 19th and the 20th. Uh, yeah, race threads will be on 
the subreddit, uh, r slash WEC, so get on that. Of course, you can jump into the Discord and uh, participate in the live chat there, and also jump in on these podcasts live, like I think there's six of you in the chat. Hello. Um, and I think that's everything uh, for us uh, tonight, Kiwi, unless there's anything else you can think of. No. Just nice to see live racing again. It is nice to see live racing again. And before we go, it would be remiss of me not to congratulate you on earning a spot in the R slash WEC Hall of Fame. Kiwi Chris, congratulations on that. Uh, It's been well earned, I think. Oh, well, thank you. Um, With that one and blow my own trumpet, yes, I'm awesome. No, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) It's been... It's just amazing to see what this community has grown into. Uh, without the community being the way it is, I would not feel comfortable doing this podcast with you and being an absolute maniac in the chat. Um, this podcast, or not this podcast, this user group I've run into, this RWEC user group has got me places I never thought I'd go to America, to Daytona, to sit, meet. I've met, you were saying I've met, probably met more users than anyone else in the subreddit. Yeah. For that, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> Unfortunate for everyone involved. Uh, you've also found your way to the bottom of an olive jar after uh, your buy collars bets in year past. Luckily enough, not the bottom of a mayonnaise jar. That one was much more gross. Yes, yes, that was that survived this year because buy collars doesn't know how to race. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but yeah, in all honesty, it's been awesome to have you a part of this community and awesome to have you a part of this podcast. Absolute pleasure. And if you'd like our sim racing commentary, that stuff's up oh, soon too. Yes, that is starting soon. And that's going to be Le Mans retro stuff. So we're going to talk about some old Le Mans stories in that. I think that wraps everything up. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Michael Salavari. Peace out. Man, I forgot how hard podcasting is when you don't prepare properly. Oh, no. (laughs) No, that was was loose as balls. That was great. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's the thing. I, I had notes. You had notes? Oh, God.